you're about to enter the world of strawberry ice and the ice cave. Let's go. You know, league, the league rule was you're not really supposed Probably to take him out of that conversation. In that Man, he started from absolute I would, I would draft Aziz Ojolari or any, any uh, nobody's doing seven step drops in playing, right you know, playing tackle for him. So right. it's almost 22 years old. Devonta Smith, same thing. You, you, you just can't. You, you can't do that. You can't do that. Thought that 2010 that he should be in the Hall of Fame, and they put him in after he is gone. So that's to, to fill the stadium. I, I, I remember you guys saying that. It's crazy. Well, I, I see that he's taken uh, the non. But overall, that that line wasn't better. No, um, I, you know they. Still... You know he's talking to the refs and, and saying, "Hey, I'm not going to get those calls." He's, he's coming. He, he, he's oh, yeah. coming. And he can be in section 158 with me. So we're... these guys have learned basically since they've been in the major leagues. Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to the show. This is Sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm your host, the Iceman Jeff Trinopole. And as always, I bring you sports from a west side point of view right here in the great city of Cincinnati, Ohio. Home of the Cincinnati Bearcats, who is ranked 10th in the preseason poll for the college football season. That is awesome. Sorry, it's a little late. Um, I had to go pick up my wife from the airport. She just got back from Florida. So... Getting back across the bridge and across the ferry was a little tough. But now that you found the show, do me a favor. Hit that like and subscribe button. Smash that thumbs up. I am up to 1,301 subscribers. That is awesome. I appreciate every single one of you. And as always, if you're watching on Facebook or on Twitter, do me a favor. Go to the YouTube channel. If you have not subscribed, hit that subscribe button. Hit that bell for the notification. And every time I go live... You'll be notified. Also, exclusively in the uh, YouTube channel, we're doing Super Chat. So if you want to support what I'm doing, go in there and give me a Super Chat. I would greatly appreciate it. Now, we're going to have a very special show. One of my favorite guys to talk to. He had me on uh, a couple weeks ago. I was on the uh, Orange and Black Insider Podcast uh, water cooler chat, and me and Anthony talked forever. So, which is cool. I love talking to the guy. So let's get him in here. He's none other than Anthony Cazenza. <laughs> Anthony, what's going on, man? How's it going? You made it. You uh, you're battling some traffic, my man. Oh, geez. Well, yeah, they got the 75 bridge here. They're they're painting it. So where I live, you can go across the ferry. Well, everybody's going across the ferry to go home, and I'm sitting there in traffic, going, "Oh my goodness, I'm I'm gonna be late." <laughs> I'm gonna be, I'm hey, you, you actually were not too far past the broad the your usual broadcast time. So no, I know I I missed it by like about five minutes. That's not ah, bad. That's not bad. Like, I always I'm, I'm I'm chronically running late, dude. So don't uh, <laughs> don't don't sweat it. Well, the funny thing is, like, if I don't if I don't do it like right at five thirty, I don't get as many views for some reason. I don't know. So I got everybody programmed that you know five thirty. Ice bands on, so you gotta you gotta check them out. So let's get to uh practice today. And we had a couple good good tweets out there. Um, if I can bring them up here real quick. Oh, how practice is going, how Joe Burrow is looking, and one of the ones I really liked, if I can find it here, I got a whole bunch of them on here, is um not that one, the one about uh Larry Ogunjobi and how he was has been looking a second day of practice looking really, really good. Or our offensive line just looks really bad. That is a it, it's a very very welcome news for the defense that was without uh, Geno Geno Atkins last last year, obviously, and just kind of missed that presence. And Ogunjobi is not 
a Geno Atkins, at least not to this point in his career. So I don't think it's fair to, yeah, that's the tweet. I think you were yeah. probably referencing yeah. there by Paul Daner. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's kind of unfair to place those expectations there. And then you see Geno like in the words that Paul used there, but uh, he has been, you know, wreaking some havoc by, by reports at practice and kind of playing that interior defensive line position opposite of the nose that uh, is, is tasked with getting pressure and getting into the backfield. And he's, he's doing that. And it's good to hear, especially for first two practices after being injured. It's not like this was like a finally exploded after weeks and weeks of training camp. I mean, he came right. out of the gates here after resting that hamstring, he came out of the gate strong. And you like to see that. Yeah. I actually got to go down on Sunday and Larry, Larry was over on the rehab field. He was actually doing something. He was running, it's not the they're cones, but they're the really tall ones. I don't know what the heck they call where they're as tall as you know Ogajobi. And he's running through them, ripping through them and, and doing drills with uh the coach. And I saw him and I thought he looked really good. I'm like, so I, I wasn't surprised that he was back at practice on Tuesday. I was kind of surprised he, he did so so good. That's that's a good sign as far as the Bengals defense. And I think him and DJ are actually gonna get more pressure on the quarterback. I know they're mostly run, known for run stoppers, but I think they're gonna get more pressure on the quarterback. Than uh, people realize this year, I, you got him and he, and he got uh, those two and Hilton uh, coming out of uh, different different directions. So I, I think there's a chance the Bengals could at least get more pressure on the on the quarterback they did than last year, which really not that hard. It shouldn't be that hard to do because we got like zero pressure on the quarterback last yeah, year. Not that big so. of an achievement, I guess, right? But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's the hope is just especially take a, a little less pressure off the secondary, a little less pressure. Uh, off of the the linebackers to be you know basically needing to play perfect with the Bengals and the guys that they trotted out on the defensive line last year right I mean there were guys that were playing that were kind of street free agents guys who hadn't really been playing snaps with other teams and they were forced to kind of have have to be placed into heavy roles really you know well into the season so the the hope is with an Ogan Joby signing obviously Hendrickson yeah you lose Lawson but um, you know you're going to be able to get pressure from multiple different spots along the line and hopefully that uh that you know what we're seeing in camp really carries over into preseason in the regular season exactly as my my dog uh, li- likes what you're saying in the background oh um, <laughs> the the interesting thing that everybody is is talking about and this is one thing i heard i was listening to uh mo egger on 1530 on the way over to the airport today and uh tony pike does a uh train camp report every every hour or whatever and I, tony said something i thought was kind of interesting uh, that Jackson Carmen really didn't get many reps at, at all uh, in in camp today, and from Tony Pike's uh, view, there's from a month, we're, we're a month out from his view. There's some to none chance that Jackson is going to start for the Bengals. Now I'm still on the the boat that it's a month out still. Things can happen. You know, rookies always have to earn their way on. So I don't know what what have you been hearing about about Jackson Carmen and his progression? Are Bengals fans freaking out about this a little bit too much? I mean, I still think it's I still think it's early. But what's your thoughts on that? Uh, so there's so many like tiers and layers to take this in so many directions in which to take this. I think the rational side of everybody should say, look, this this kid's what 21? I think. I mean, he's I think so, so, yeah. he's so really young. Um, he's playing a position that he has not played really in a very long time, if at all, in terms of getting work at right guard. He was a left tackle at Clemson. He's working at right guard while being in his early 20s and acclimating to the pro game. So, I mean, there's there, growing pains are going to be had there. There's there's just that's just kind of part and parcel of it. It is a little jarring to see a guy kind of get starter reps and then be placed 
at, as the third stringer when we heard after the draft pick was made, kind of a controversial pick a little bit in the fact that there were so many tackles, so many other linemen that went before him. The Bengals opted to move back and grab this guy. They really liked him, but they were able to move back, get uh, get an extra pick. Um, and, and so, you know, I think there's, there's a, a jarring emotion a little bit when you see him land third on the depth chart at right guard and the guy who was drafted after him, a tackle, Deontay mm-hmm. Smith, is right. now the second string left guard. So he's supposedly performing better than Jackson Carmen is. So, you know, I, I, there's a lot here and there's a lot to kind of peel through. I, I think it's still early, so I don't think panic button needs to be pressed yet. But look, this is a second round pick. These are these are guys that you need to have immediate contributions for unless you have a very high end entrenched starter. And this is more of a, a grooming thing. Well, that's not really the situation here because the Bengals have stopgap options at the guard spots in Quentin Spain and Xavier Suofilo. And so, you know, the the, the hope and, and the idea was that this kid should come right in, be able to compete for a starting spot right away. And maybe this is something that Frank Pollock, Zach Taylor, Brian Callahan are all say, are using as kind of fuel for the kid to kind of work hard and, and earn his spot and, and do well in the preseason. But it's a little jarring to see him land third on the depth chart, but uh, you know, there's been some ups and downs, still three preseason games to play. I think that's where it's going to matter the most. Yeah. I I think we'll see, well, depending on how many snaps he gets uh, this weekend versus uh, the Buccaneers, we're going to find out some stuff definitely about our offensive line because the Buccaneers are going to play the starters for, I don't don't know how long, but at least the first quarter, it sounds like, but uh, Duke Tobin was on the uh, Bengals booth podcast and he had some good, I think some interesting comments, about um, Jackson Carmen, and he said um, he's uh, big and powerful and athletic. He said he's still learning a new position, playing inside, which that I've never played offensive line. I I would, from what I've been told, is from when you go from the outside to the inside, you're going from like playing in an open field to playing in a phone booth. So you only got, you know, you got people both sides of you, inside compared to outside, obviously. So it's the step, the steps are different. The hand movement is diff- different, everything like that. So it is an adjustment to something he's never played before. And then he also wanted to say, uh, learning to play in this is what Duke Toby said. This is where I thought it was the most interesting statement. He said, learning to play the O line in the NFL is one of the hardest positions for a rookie to learn. So is that him making excuses for Jackson or, I mean, I, I mean, I think playing offense, I think playing any position in NFL is hard, especially if you're a rookie and you're going to a position you haven't played probably since high school, if ever. So what, what's your thoughts on what, what Duke said there? Well, I, I just, I kind of wish, if this was the plan all along with Jackson Carmen in, in terms of placing him at guard, working him at guard, and he's going to be the right guard of the future, maybe right tackle of the future to uh, supplant Riley Reef when he is done there, but I mean, they had to know a project was probably coming in that regard if that was the long-term plan with Jackson Carmen. So in that case, I kind of would have liked to see the team maybe have a little bit more of a high-end free agent or some sort of plan in place at right guard so that they can work on this grooming of Jackson Carmen and help him on this learning curve that he he's on. Obviously, again, I, I just said it. He's really young. He's playing a new position. Um, you know, he's playing a different side. He's playing on the left side at Clemson. He's playing on the right side here. So there's a lot of factors kind of working against him in terms of his learning curve. And I think we should, we should have some patience with it. But the, the issue is 
we've been dealing with issues along with, with the Cincinnati Bengals as fans here. We've been dealing with issues on the offensive line, really dating back to 2017, 2018. Right. right, right. Um, and there's just not a lot of things settled. You think it looks like Jonah Williams is, is settling in nicely on the left side. You like what, what Riley Reeves going to bring you. Trey Hopkins looks like he's, he's back and, and working from his knee injury, but um, Quentin Spain seems to have a good hold on the left guard spot, but you know, again, there's just kind of some some moving parts here, particularly at the right guard spot. And so I, I think we need to be patient with Jackson Carmen, but that's difficult to do <laughs> the amount of time right. and, and in different investments to varying degrees that this team has made on the offensive line. And some have worked out and some haven't. Yeah, exactly. And one, one thing I, I do like is, okay, let's just compare it to our starting offensive line last year. How many question marks that we have going in into last year. I think we had a lot more question marks going into last year than we do this year. This year, they're saying Jonah Williams and Riley Reef are playing great at tackles. Spain has solidified himself as uh, the, I think, left guard. And then Hopkins, we know he's going to be a center now. He's still coming back from injury, so he's working his way back. But by, by in, in Zach Taylor's words, he's trying to get him and DJ and Joe ready for week one. So I think as far as that aspect goes, I think we're set in pretty much every area except the right guard position. If I'm getting the, I probably got my left and right confused, but that guard position, and we have three guys there that are viable. And Michael Jordan, right now, is slated to be the starter coming Saturday night, which I think uh, threw a lot of Bengal fans through a loop because it wasn't Serophilia, it's him, and Jackson's at third. And then other Bengal fans come out like, "Well, he he worked out with Willie Anderson this year." Okay, I'll, I'll take this from James Rapine. You work out with Willie Anderson doesn't mean you're going to be Willie Anderson. And as far as I know, he only did it for like a weekend or something. I don't know if he ever went back or not, but I know Michael Jordan did a lot of, of, you know, losing weight and trying to get better and at his job. And we're going to find out And the Bengals. That's the thing. The Bengals have to find out if he, if there is anything there, that's kind of where I'm looking at this. Why there's more of a find out about Michael Jordan. What do they have? What has he, you know, all the work he put in the offseason, has it helped? Has it worked? Because you can do all the work you want against your own teammates. It's totally different in a regular, or not regular season, a preseason game. So that's where I, I kind of think there might have be really just trying to check out Michael Jordan in this and see where they're at, where he's at in all this. It's interesting when you started kind of your 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 talk right there. Um, as you were going through it, I kind of ramble on a lot. <laughs> no, 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 I didn't mean it like that. I just when you were when you were starting and I was listening to what you're saying. I started to think about this before you actually verbalize that this might be more of a Michael Johnson thing and a look at Michael Johnson. As you were talking about that, I started to think about it kind of through that lens of, you know, maybe, maybe this is a Michael John, uh, Michael sure. Jordan rather sink or swim time. Right. Right. Um, right. And, and he's going up against Tampa Bay. I don't know how much their starters will play, but the Tampa Bay defensive line and what they can do to rush the passer. We saw what happened against Kansas city in the super bowl last year. Right. They know how to get after the passer. So um, it, it, this may be a little bit of a sink or swim test here for Michael Jordan put up or shut up in terms of, I, I like that he really dedicated himself to workouts and all those types of things. This off season went to Willie Anderson. I like all of that stuff. Um, but we saw some stuff, not, not equating quite yet that they're the same player, especially because of draft status. But we saw a lot of the same things with Cedric Abwehi a couple of years ago where he was going and doing off season workouts, doing MMA stuff and really recommitting himself in the weight room and all that stuff still never amounted to anything. Right. 
Um, so I, I don't want to say that that's going to be the case with Michael Jordan, but I think now that stuff has to be caught. It needs to be catching up with the on-field play. And, and so unfortunately we've been hearing some things about him not doing so well in certain scenarios in practice against, against, you know, the Bengals defense. And now here he is going up against Tampa Bay as a starter. So we'll have to see exactly what happens there, but you're right. Maybe this is a bit more of, this is more about Mike Jordan than it is about Jackson Carmen at this point in time. We got to see what we've got here and we've got to make a decision. Yeah. And the thing is too, cause you got to look at it this way is they didn't make a decision on him and, and Sir Ophelia because we all know how Mike Brown has the reputation of being cheap. And I don't know if, they're how willing they are to pay Sir Ophelia as much money as he's getting paid to be a backup. If Michael Jordan can be the backup slash starter, do they keep Sir Ophelia? You know, which brings me to the other other thing. We'll get into this later with with Jesse Bates, but let's let's stick with what we're talking about right now. Do you think that they'll keep Sir Ophelia as a backup for the amount they're paying? I think they need to. I don't think there's any question that they should. It's just a thought that I've had because. They need to me. They need more depth. Still, they need to add another tackle guard in, in to, to back up. I think. I think Sufilo will be the, a guy that's kept, whether he starts or as a, a backup. You know, maybe the plan is maybe Jackson Carmen plays well. He actually becomes a starter, and if there is, you know, plays well through the preseason. And if there's issues in the regular season, you've got that veteran guy in Suofilo to come in and and take over the reins and let Jackson Carmen watch that way, or vice versa. Maybe Suofilo is your starter come week one, and then if there are issues there, you give the young kid a chance to to win that spot. I don't know. I just would like to have things a little bit more settled. Uh, yeah, I, I, everybody would. <laughs> I like the idea of competition. I like the mm-hmm. idea of competition, especially on an offensive line that needs work and has needed work for a long time. But it's kind of I'm kind of at the point with the offensive line in the Cincinnati Bengals of enough is enough. You got to yeah. find the guys. You got to right. find the guys. And we keep hearing the same line from Duke Tobin, Zach Taylor, Brian Callahan of we want to find the best five guys and the best five guys will play and it may not be at the positions you think and all that kind of stuff. Fine. But I mean, we got to start finding the guys here because right. there's, there's still, you know, a, a position or two that may be unsettled here. Um, I think things are better definitely than they were last year where the, the Bengals are in better shape up front, but I think they need to start kind of in, uh, finding out answers and pretty soon here, because um, I know you've got a new position coach, but I'm kind of a, a little bit fed up with, you know, not having things fully yeah. settled, at least for the foreseeable future. Um, but I, yeah, I, I mean, I think, I think Suofilo will probably stick. And I I've said this on my show. I think that the Bengals will probably be scouring the waiver wire after final yeah. cuts yes. to, to probably make a, an addition or two. They, um, they, they need to, because you, you don't have, I mean, I'm not okay. I mean, I like Deontay Smith. I think he could be our future right tackle in a year or two or three. But I'm not ready for him to be the backup guard. You know, I, I just, I, I, we need to find somebody there for depth. And well, I mean, and you never know. Maybe you pick somebody up who's so good that maybe they slide in to be the starter. I don't know if you would start them that quickly, but I mean, um, Spain started, <laughs> you know, he, well, it didn't start, but he played that you signed Friday, then he played on Sunday last year. So who knows? But I agree with you. I do think they, they are going to be finding somebody. Uh, at the end of camp, it's just who, you know, and, and, and is, are you that comfortable that you're definitely going to find somebody there? That That's where I'm at. I'm like, 
again, where you're saying, I, li- I like to have it already settled. I like to ha- have the backups already settled too. It would just be nice. Yeah. And Sue Filo has experience in the NFL, extensive experience at left guard, which is odd that, you know, they're, they're giving him massive looks at right guard and have really since he, he came over here. Um, the, the one caveat there. So there's, there's kind of some things going for and against him that, Going for him is the fact that they probably think he could play both guard spots, whether that's in a starter and or backup capacity, because he's had snaps there. Um, so that's that's a positive for him. But he was a guy who was signed over um, from the previous offensive line coach in, mm-hmm. in his regime. So, you know, I don't know exactly how he's meshing with Frank Pollock and what he's trying to do there. But, um, you know, I, I I think I think the Bengals. I think Suafilo brings some things that they like, though, in terms of versatility, veteran experience. And um, it's not incredibly high-level veteran experience, but it is veteran experience that maybe could solidify things if there are major issues. Yeah, I'll kind of bring up something that uh, Mike uh, Bengal Sands uh, brought up uh, yesterday. We are talking about the depth chart and, and preseason and all that stuff. He goes, it's preseason. He's a, in his opinion, mine too, people look are looking into this a little bit too much. But I do agree with what you're saying. It's getting to the point where it's like, okay, who are going to be our guys? So we can have our, you're starting here, you're starting here. Let's start working together and get ready for, for game one. I think they pretty much have it solidified except for that one guard spot. I really do think it's going to be mm-hmm. Jonah Williams and Rafa tackles. And then you got um, Hopkins the center and and uh, Spain is going to be the other guard. I, I think it's really that one guard position is up between three guys. So I don't know how – I'm kind of curious how long this will last. I think they want Jackson – obviously, they want Jackson Carmen to win the position. But they're not They're not just going to give it to him, which I kind of like that, you know. And there's been some murmurs that, you know, maybe he's, he's, he's a little lazier than we thought he was or something like that and, and some weight issues or something that some people have tweeted. I haven't really heard the Bengals say anything like that. Um I, I, have you heard anything anything against Jax Carmen and his commitment or anything like that? Well, I know he had to lose a significant, and he did lose a significant amount of weight uh, going into the pre-draft process. Um, and I think he had to lose some, a significant amount of weight when he arrived at Clemson as well. Um, so, uh, you know, I think there's been some weight things, whether they're they're lingering issues or what have you. I don't want to. I don't want to speculate, and I don't want to say that. I just know he has lost significant amounts of weight at different periods in his football career, and so you know you can kind of take that for what it is. I don't. I don't know that this is an effort issue. I think there's some. You know, reports have him in terms of him being now third third string at guard. Right. I, I, reports have him. You know, there's been a couple of I think false starts, which I you know. We've seen enough of that from the right guard position over the past few <laughs> yes, years. Yes, we have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't want any more of that. Yeah, number 62. No names yeah. being mentioned, obviously. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I, I think I think that is obviously a frustration. Those are the things that stall out drives that are that will get you points and potential wins. So you can't have that even if it's in early training camp practices. And, um, you know, maybe, maybe this, again, this is just kind of a lighting of the fire and or seeing what you got from Mike Jordan. Um, Mike Jordan, interestingly, you know, a lot of his time has come at the left guard spot. So, right. you know, now he's over at the right guard spot. I don't know, you know, and all of this, unfortunately, feeds the national narrative of yes. the Bengals didn't do enough, do enough to, to protect blah, 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 Joe Burrow this offseason. They didn't get the right players. He's just going to get hurt again. And that, you know, whole thing is is being drummed up ad nauseum. So yes. um, that's that's a little unfortunate. I don't fully agree with that. But you know, this is this is obviously the and has been the right guard spot really has been um, an issue since, you know, 
Bobby Williams, Kevin Zeitler left. I mean, they, they need to get the guy, a guy in there. And um, hopefully Carmen kind of picks things up in the preseason to prove that he is that guy. Yeah. That's hope. But we'll, we'll Jordan. More, I mean, I, I'd root for Jordan too. If he, if he's the best guy to play, I mean, dude, fine. Yeah. But, I, I don't, I honestly don't, I don't care who it is, whoever the best yeah. guy I'm with you on that. I, I if it's, Michael, Michael Jordan, fine. I don't care if it's Suofilia, that's fine. I don't care. I just want to do the best five guys out there. You know, so I, I'm with you on that. And I think we'll find out more after uh, Saturday night because, like I said, they're going to get a pretty good test for a preseason mm-hmm. game against Super Bowl champs, a really good defense. You know, I, I want to stop giving the Buccaneers so much credit because I, I got a I got a show on Friday where I, I got to defend the Bengals against my, my wife who, who's going to come Uh-oh. on here and talk about how great the Buccaneers are. So, anyway. So, but – uh. <laughs> You did have some good news, though, coming out of camp. As far as the offense goes, it seems like um, Jamar Chase and Higgins and uh, Burrow are starting to connect more. Like the Higgins and, 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 and Chase are starting to get more uh, separation. I know that was a, a big issue. And Jamar Chase had a really interesting comment, which uh, Paul Daner Jr. Um, put up there. Uh, let's see. Here it is. Uh, he's talking about his, his quickness, you know, and he said, I would not say it's Say the only difficult thing was my quickness, not as in quickness like with athletic ability, but mind quickness, reaction time quickness. That's what it's all about. Me sitting out a whole year definitely showed when I got back out there. I thought everything was going to be fine for me. And then that was one thing of the game game phase that I'm having trouble with. And that's the other thing too everybody has to remember with, with Chase. He sat out a year, you know, and it's like, I don't care how many football drills or whatever you did. It's not the same as playing the game. It's just not. But it seems like they're making some some progress this, this week. And Burrow, maybe he got a, over a mental hump this, this week. See, he's stepping into his throws a little more, I think. So interesting, uh, interesting quote there by Jamar Chase. And, uh, you know, it's it, obviously a lot of people forget that they just think top five pick, they kind of forget he didn't play last year. And so they think he's just going to come in and, you know, torch NFL competition. And that's just not the case. And kudos, by the way, to the Bengals corners, the new corners that have come in here. Reports have them. Awuzier is playing really well. Waynes is back out there and playing well by, by reports. And Mike Hilton is doing a lot of nice things and assuming kind of what seems like a leadership role in that defense. So right. um, three seemingly good acquisitions at this point over the past two off seasons. I know Waynes still has a lot to answer after not playing last year, but it seems like he's playing pretty well. But look, the other thing with it, if you watched I, I, NFL Network was was covering the Bengals training camp today, yes. they were out there uh, at, at the end of practice. Um, a couple, I think it was James Jones and Rhett. Uh, I can't remember his last name. Rhett, one of the hosts. Um, no, hold on. I got, were, you. I got were, you. I got your tweet. There it is. Yeah. Oh, hey, there we go. That's there. me. Yeah, um, that's you. I did that from the car waiting on the ferry to get across. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, here's the thing. Aside from that, uh, aside from this quote here that you're looking at, yeah, Burrow was, was when they were talking about the AFC North and the competitive of the uh, nature of it. You're seeing the quote that I just relayed there. Where it's we're not taking any moral victories. It was around here, not out here. By the way, I, I, I just to let I don't want to typo be accused of misquoting. Um, talked talked big about uh, Joe Mixon, which was great to see, and then Jamar Chase talked about. Um, you know, playing in the SEC and how, how you know, that's a competitive grind basically every week there or was. And then obviously they've got, you know, three of the best teams in the NFL and the Bengals division. And, you know, but again, he didn't play last year. 
Mm-hmm. He's got some growing pains that he has to work out. And the, the hope is that the rapport that he already had with Burrow will kind of help his learning curve go, go along here. Now, the other facet to this that I found really interesting, it's a, it was a quote a little bit before uh, that one in the interview. Burrow basically admitted that the first few days, the first week of camp, um, there were some mental hurdles he had to go over. And he said, he said something to the effect of, you know, I've always been pretty comfortable in the pocket and knowing how to move, move around these first few practices coming back. And, you know, it was hard to discern who was who coming at me in the pocket. I had to find my way. There were some things he's like, but I'm fine now. And I, you know, I, I'm, I'm past that. I, I've got the feeling back in the pocket and, and things are moving in a good direction. I don't know if, you know, obviously he's going to say that publicly. Um, but to your point, things are looking better these past right, few practices. Right. And I think that has to do with some of it. His increased comfortability in the pocket, feeling out that knee. You've seen clips of him scrambling around on certain plays as well. So I think that's part of it, along with building that practice rapport with Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins. Exactly. Now, let's get to, I think this is it. Yes, let's get to Jesse Bates here. And I know lots of Bengals fans are kind of freaking out, upset. And now this this was Jeremy Fowler yesterday. I didn't say that they broke off conversations. They're just not close right now. Of signing Jesse Bates, and I know me included, I'm wondering why. You know, you didn't go spend the money on this guy or that guy because you were going to spend the money on Jesse Bates. And honestly, Anthony, I thought Bates would be signed already. I mean, I think we talked about this on on your show. That is probably going to happen right around when Hubbard got signed. I thought Hubbard, you know, Hubbard got signed. I'm like, all right, Bates will get signed here pretty quickly, and it hasn't happened yet. What do you think the the issues are? What why why is what have you heard? Why why is why is it not signed? <laughs> I haven't I haven't heard anything specific. My my hunch is he plays a position that the team just doesn't value very highly. The team values quarterbacks, wide receivers, you know, outside tackles pretty high. I mean, they a lot of the skill position spots they value corner very high. That's why they had all kinds of different first round corners that they drafted and or signed in free agency. High former high picks. Remember that secondary a few years ago where it was oh, all, yeah. all, it was all first round picks. picks. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I think they just value certain positions other than than others, and unfortunately, safety and guard are ones yeah. that they just just do not value very highly. And so, you know, I, I think also the Bengals are playing a bit of the leverage game here because they have that franchise tag. If need be, they have that in their back pocket. And I assume that they would use that on Jesse Bates if worse came to worse. And Jesse Bates will still be here in 22. That's my guess. But, yeah, uh, you know, the Bengals play a little bit of hardball. We know that in negotiations. Usually the things that become sticking points are incentives and or guaranteed money and structure of contract, the nuances of it, not just necessarily – average annual salary and overall money. It's, it's kind of the nuanced portions that that's, that are always kind of sticking points with, with this team. And unfortunately uh, it just doesn't seem to be close. And I think there's been a lot of off season hype with um, Jesse Bates, not only from the Bengals themselves and their, their social media, but also from the national media and, and promoting him as a top safety in the league, which he has proven to be. Uh, So, you know, I, I think that that is, uh, that's unfortunately kind of where we're at with this. I do think that this could progress pretty, 
pretty easily over the next couple of weeks. We've seen some of these deals get inked into the preseason. I think a couple of years ago, AJ Green signed one just yeah. like a couple of days before the regular season. Right, um, right. So, you know, I mean, the Bengals work on these things in the summer. I think they're playing a little bit of a leverage game here, maybe. Uh, I, I haven't heard too much in terms of specifics, but those are my guesses as to what's going on here. And I still think Jesse Bates wants to be here. I think the Bengals really want him to be here, given his presence all over the New yeah. Jersey concepts and the social media presence, and they're mm -hmm. hyping him up. It's just a matter of, you know, paying paying a, a contract that both agreed to. Here's the thing, too. A lot of people are saying, well, why'd they get Hubbard done first before Bates? Well, Hubbard was always going to be an easier contract to get done because Hubbard isn't the premier level player that Bates is, right. is showing himself to be. Hubbard's a solid player. He's a good piece to this defense. Um, and he plays a position that the Bengals like to pay in terms of edge defenders. But, uh, you know, it, it was always going to be an easier contract because he was, you know, he's not quite at the level of a Jesse Bates at his respective position. Yeah, I, I don't think I, I really don't think we have to worry about anything. Kind of basically what you said, I, I they do have the franchise tag. I don't think they want to use it. I mean, I think they want to get him signed. I mean, it's kind of like uh, Timothy. Put on here, he said, uh, Jesse Bates will be a Bengal for life. I think it'll happen. I agree with him here. And then you got uh, Jamie here says, uh, Jesse Bates isn't going anywhere. He's not worried about money right now. He's about the team and ball. That's it. It'll come when it comes right, right for everyone. And he's kind of said that, you know, in his press conference last week, that he's leaving it more up to his agent. You know, he's not really. Because that's one thing you, you have to look at too. The, the the negotiations. It's not like Jesse Bates and Mike Brown are sitting there from a table going talk talking back back and forth about money. So Jesse Bates says uh, he he gets you know offers. You know this is what they're offering. Well, I don't you know I don't think you should take it. I think you should take it. Blah blah blah. You know that's what Jesse Bates gets from his agent. That's why he pays his agent to do it. So I do think it's going to happen. It's just I'm surprised it's taking so long. I mean to be honest, because I mean if you're going to franchise tagging. Then you're already gonna pay him as one of the top, what is it, top five or top three? Is that how that works with the franchise tag? Uh, yeah, I think franchise tag is the average of the top. You're, you're quizzing me here. I think it's top five <laughs> or top ten. They average out the top top five or top ten. I think yeah. it's top five with that yeah. one, and then transition tag is top ten. So, of so if you're gonna, so you're tagging, you're gonna pay him a top five money. If you're already that's already in your back pocket, you're already knowing he's gonna be. He yep. is worth the top five money. So it's just a matter of all right. This is where you start. You know, are you gonna you gonna pay him the to be the highest paid safety in the league? Which, you know, the Bengals could go and set the market and say, "Hey, here we, he's the best one. We'll we'll pay him the best, and then everybody else has to has to catch up." Because I mean, uh, Seattle they're they're not uh, they're having issues with a uh, with a uh, Jamal uh, uh, Lewis out there. Wait, that's Jamal oh, Adams. Yeah. Jamal Adams, thank you, Jamal Adams out there. They're not uh, uh, under contract uh, or they're under contract negotiation right now, but they're kind of far apart too. So. It's football. It's contract negotiation. It happens. I think they'll get it done. Yeah, and here, it, you know, Justin Simmons is another really good uh, safety in the NFL. And earlier this spring, he signed a four-year, $61 million contract with $35 million guaranteed. There's pretty much no doubt that Jesse Bates' camp is looking at that contract as either a baseline or where they need to be. So I don't know if the Bengals really want to do If you remember, they signed George Aloka to a pretty – Yes. Pretty hefty contract a while ago, but it, as you looked at the numbers, the guaranteed monies and all all of that was pretty low. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think, uh, I, and I think we agree, George Loka was a good football player for yes. this. 
but I think Jesse Bates is a superior one based mm-hmm. on what we've seen. And so, you know, I mean, if you're going to want to keep this guy and, and a, a premier player that wants to be here, you're going to have to pay him. You're going to have to, you know, maybe get a little out, out of your comfort zone because I'm going to tell you what, if they don't pay it now, next spring, mm-hmm. um, if they yeah. do not franchise him next spring or the spring after, you know, there's going to be a, a, a bigger price to pay. Well, I said the same thing when they signed Hubbard because everybody's like, wow, you paid him 10, $10 million a year. Ah, is he worth that much? I'm like, Phew. if he's a free agent, he'll be he'll get 14 or 15, you yeah. know, in the open market. So yeah, and because no, Hubbard is not an elite pass rusher. We all hope he turns into that, but you know, I think he's, I think he kind of is what he is right now. But he's a very, very good run run defense run defender, and those guys make make money. You have to pay them to do this. So I do think Jesse Bates is going to get done. It's just a matter matter of time, you know, before, mm-hmm. before it uh before it happens. So I had John. Your buddy John on the show this week, so this is a uh, Cincy Jungle Week, <laughs> and uh, you guys, you guys had your uh, last week. You had your um, uh, show, and you're trying to raise money for the um, uh, Ken Anderson Alliance, Ken Riley Foundation, and the Anthony Munoz Foundation. Uh, mm-hmm. Just go ahead; I'll give, give you the platform here. You can talk about uh, where are you guys at on this. I know John gave us an update on Monday. It's Wednesday. Where are you, where are you guys at on, on your fundraising, and how's it going right now? Uh, it's, it's going well. We're still a little bit short of our lofty goal, but we are at $1,245. So we raised a few, uh, a little bit more, I think, thanks to some exposure on, on your show. And then I, I kind of reminded folks on the water cooler chat yesterday. So, um, appreciate you letting us plug that, but yeah, basically we've got, and we've got prizes to give folks. Um, you know, it's not necessarily signed jerseys and all that kind of stuff. I wish we had that kind of stuff, but we've got some other fun bangles, memorabilia, some stuff from the Ken Anderson Alliance. And, um, you know, we want to try and give at least a little bit of stuff to as many donors as possible just to kind of say thank you. But uh, we've got prizes to give folks. But really, I mean, the Ken Anderson Alliance helps adults with developmental disabilities and, and places them and preps them for, you know, careers and work environments and all that kind of stuff. So um, really cool cause. And and Ken Anderson just opened a, a coffee shop in the greater Cincinnati area. It's called Just Brew. So in, in some of his, some of the, the folks that they help out are employed at that place. Uh, so that that's really cool. Anthony Munoz and the Munoz Foundation are, are giving out scholarships to a number of young students in that are in need of those in the greater Cincinnati area. And then Ken Riley's foundation is helping out, um, you know, with educational opportunities in the central Florida area as well. So, uh, you know, none of this money goes to our show or in the pockets of John and I or anything like that. This, this is all my, every, every cent is going to all three of these charities. We set a lofty goal of 2021, but we really wanted to not only, um, congratulate those guys, but, uh, kind of you know, give them a little bit of a, a service because last year for so many charities and, and all of that was hard to do fundraising opportunities because Absolutely. you couldn't do things in per, in person. So we were hoping to kind of say thank you and congratulations to, to them being in the ring of honor. And, uh, you know, of course, Ken Riley senior is not with us, but Ken Riley, the second's an awesome dude. And, uh, you know, he's carrying the mantle for his dad there. So it was, a, it was a fun couple of weeks having all those guys on and, and talking some, some football, talking about their, their charities and all kinds of different stuff. There is a GoFundMe. Um, I can give you the link here. Uh, yeah. if you want to share it, Sounds Jeff, good. um, 
And so, and I know you donated, so thank you for that. But no problem. Uh, yeah, we're at twelve forty-five. Uh, we're only going to keep it open for I think probably the remainder of this week, and then we'll we'll close it up just to kind of get everybody in and and have an opportunity there, and then divvy it out to each charity. Awesome, awesome. Wow. you sent it to me. I got to figure out how to how to put it into the chat now. <laughs> it's on the private one. Um. Anyway. Um. So yeah, that was a lot of fun. I, I liked watching your show when you had. Thank you. One of my one of my favorite guys on there is is Ken Riley II. He he's a great dude to have on on your show. Just to listen to him talk about his dad and different stories and just how he grew up and and what a what a guy a kind of guy his dad was off the field. You know, it was it was it was it's it's always fun talking to him. I really enjoyed ta- talking to him. It's the first time you got to talk to. Him. What's your what's your thoughts on Kenny? Uh, oh, the great story? guy, great guy, and uh, you know, just was. Um, has a, a million dollar smile and just a guy that just, you know, um, you know, it's, it, I, I said to John, I'm like, I just kind of want to hang out with that guy. You know, I, wanna, <laughs> right. I, I was around, I just want to like go and I don't know, have a drink with him, talk some football and just hang out. He seems like a really easygoing, good guy. And, you know, I, I didn't really know his father, but you know, my understanding is that his father was very likable, good man like that as well. So, um, you know, it's, it it's, three very unique personalities in terms of Ken Anderson, Ken Riley, the second and Anthony Munoz. Um, and, and it's, you know, as a Bengals fan and as someone, you know, you put a lot of work into your show. Um, you know, it, when you, when you get to talk to people like that and as a Bengals fan, it's really rewarding. And we just, for their time to come on our show and, and everything that they do in the community, we just want to say thank you and give some money to their foundations. Absolutely. Well, I figured it out. I have the, the link you sent me. Oh, there you in, it's in the chat. So if you guys want to thank make you. a donation to, to these and, and the proceeds go to the Ken Anderson, Ken Rally, and Anthony Munoz, all their foundations. Go for it. Make it make a donation. They 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 could use the help. Now I'll get to what uh your friend of mine, another, another great guy I've had from uh Cincy Jungle on here and the Orange Black Insider Podcast, Matt Mitchkin. And this kind of article I found on Cincy Jungle where he has the five things to look for at Bengals uh for the Bengals uh, preseason. And I just thought it was just kind of interesting, you know. And the this is what I really like. He said, "Is the secondary really that good?" You know that that's kind of another thing I think we're going to be able to find out pretty quickly here in the first game. You know, because I was talking to, to Mike Sands yesterday, and I'm actually very happy with the secondary. I think, and I, I mean, when I said a secondary, I actually mean the cornerbacks and DBs more of what I'm what I'm talking about because the safeties we already know they're they're good, but I think our cornerbacks and DBs at a as a whole are going to be better than what we had last year. What what are your thoughts on like Chidabe Awuzie? I think he's going to be really good. I think he's done phenomenal. Well, I don't say phenomenal, but looks really well in in training camp. It's kind of the, um, I, I guess I would say it's it's a little bit in terms of the talent of the position group. It's a little more spread out this year from top mm-hmm. to bottom instead of being so top heavy. Um, you know, you had William Jackson, and then you you know the ups and downs of Darius Phillips. I still like Darius Phillips a lot, but um, you know, there's, he's a gambler when he's out there. There's no doubt about it. He's a big play looking for a place to happen, but he also lets up big plays. I mean, that's just kind of who he is and who, what we've seen from him so far. Um, You didn't have Waynes last year. So it was more a little bit talent top heavy in the, in the cornerback position group last year. And now it's a little bit, maybe, maybe your top guy isn't as talented as William Jackson, but you've got a little bit of a, a dispersal of talent down the line You've got Phillips now, I think, is your fourth corner, fifth mm-hmm. corner. 
Yes. Um, I mean, that, that's a pretty good fourth corner on your team there. And then, of course, you've got Eli Apple, another guy who was a top, what was he, a top 15 pick a few years yeah. ago? Yes. He's on the back end of your of your depth chart. Obviously, he never lived up to his first round billing, but that's a good guy to have at the back end of your depth right. chart. Um, so I, I think I think I you know I like what I see there. I know everybody was was a little upset about William Jackson going elsewhere. I think we saw the writing on the wall there, and he has kind of vocalized that he wasn't <laughs> always very yeah. pleased in Cincinnati. Anyway, he kind he kind of burned a bridge here. I, right. I, I think Bengals fans now are like good riddance. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you know I, I think you know you've got and you've got kind of uh, which is almost a little bit of a mantra of the team. You've got some players here who are. Hungry to come back and prove themselves. Trey Waynes, Chidobia Wuzier was a guy who was injured last year, but played well prior to last year. Um, and so he's looking to kind of bounce back and, and prove that he is a solid corner. Um, you know, Mike Hilton has, has been a good corner as well. Darius Phillips looking to find his niche. So you've got a lot of guys looking to prove things too, which I like. But um, I think it's a, it's a solid group. Yeah, like I said, I'm very excited. I'm very happy that the Buccaneers are going to play their starters. I do think it's... I said this a couple times on the broadcast, but I think we're going to find some stuff out. I mean, I really do, and and good or bad. Hopefully, it's all good, but we'll see what happens. But and that's a talented receiving group. I mean, yes. you've got Godwin yes. and Evans. And I mean, they and and you know, I mean, they they brought the whole crew back. So yeah. um, you, you know, got some guy that I think Tom Brady throwing a ball too. So he's a oh guy. yeah, him, yeah, yeah, him, him. He's all right. <laughs> <laughs> that guy. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my goodness. Um. Oh, what was I going to say? I had a thought in my head. I was going to say it. I can't remember it now. Um, well, let's just what let's go. Okay, I, I know what it is now. To Tom Brady, um, the the talk uh, amongst Bengals fans and Twitter and the national media is Joe Burrow absolutely should not play in the preseason. And I have to give credit and to somebody who commented on my show. And actually, I met him on the bridge over the Bengals bridge at nice. practice. Like he's like, I'm the one who made this comment. I was like, Oh yeah, I remember this. But he had a really good point. I think. That if the offensive line can't block block them in preseason for Joe Burrow, how are they going to block them in the regular season? And so you know that's everybody's worried about Joe Burrow getting hurt. I don't personally think Joe's going to play, but then I was preface it this way: I could see him talking him talking his way into it at least for one series. What's your thoughts on Burrow playing? In the I'm torn on this. I'm torn on I, this. I, that's what you said. I'm the same way. Yeah. I don't know. You know, part of me really wants to see him get some reps, limited, very limited reps, but reps because there was no preseason last year, watered down training camp last year, thrown to the Wolves week one there, short season, hasn't played significant football since November. Um, and then now, you know, you've got some, uh, one less preseason game this mm -hmm. year than you would throughout, you know, as, as we've normally been accustomed to. And so, I don't know. There, there are, I, I would like to see him knock a little bit of the rust. Um, I guess the old school mentality of, you know, let him, let him take a hit and, you know, get confident in that, in that leg a little bit, but all of that at the same time scares the hell out of me. So right. it's, it's like, you know, if, if he goes down this season is just not, oh, yeah, not, uh, you know, and I don't, I, the chances seem to be pretty slim that something devastating would happen if he does play, but we've seen stuff, um, we've seen stuff happen to guys in preseason and, and it's, it's really hurt the team. I mean, you can go back, God, what was it last year? The, the, uh, Ronnie Anderson injury, the yes. two years ago, maybe, mm -hmm. um, you know, running back that had a lot of talent was showing well, and then it gets hurt. And then, you know, he's, he's not playing football to my knowledge right now. So, uh, you know, that means weird things happen in the preseason, but you know, I, I'm really torn on this. 
I think I'll, I'll be okay with whichever route is ultimately decided. And I, I see the logic in both sides, but um, kind of to your point though, I mean, there is some validity. I know a lot of people don't like to think about it, but there is some validity of him getting out there, mm-hmm. maybe feeling a little pressure, getting some throws and getting back into a little bit of game pace. Right. Um, you know, and, and I think also, I mean, I, there may be a little bit of a gentleman's rule in the preseason, especially if you're going up against other starters, if there's a clean shot at Burrow or someone where, you know, don't blast him. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't, I don't know, especially starters against, you know, starters that are going to make the team. And I don't know that that's going to happen. And I don't know if you play Joe Burrow that he'd be playing into the third quarter or anything like that anyway. So, um, you know, I, I, so I don't know. I, I, I see the logic in both. I would be okay with either decision. I just want him to be healthy and ready though for week one. Yeah, I mean the difference between because everybody says everybody say, well, he didn't play in preseason last year, and he you know came out and had a really good season, so he got hurt. Said, yeah, but the difference is he played a whole full college season, you know, so it wasn't like he went from like he's been rehabbing. You know, he hasn't played football in since November. It's kind of the same way I feel about Chase. Chase didn't play football in a game for a whole year. Joe hasn't been that long. It's been you know six, what eight, nine months, or probably more like nine months, but still. That makes you rusty. So that's where I'm kind of like, it would be nice to get him out there for a series or two. But, uh, you know, that's where I'm, I'm I'm with you. I'm torn. I'm like, I don't think they're going to. I'll be I'll be shocked if they do. But then again, I say that and then I'm like, well, I can see him talking, talking, him, talking them into it. But we'll yeah, see. and, and, and the, the one thing that I think also plays into the corner of let him sit, uh, really the only person that's kind of new that he would need. It's not like there's three new receivers and a right. new running back and a, bu- I mean, a bunch of new offensive linemen. There's basically Riley reef. That's a new guy out there. Um, you may get Jackson Carmen or something, but I mean, the offensive line, there's a lot of familiar faces. Joe Mixon is there. Tyler Boyd, you got T Higgins who we worked with last year and chase. That's the other new face. And Oh, by the way, they played together in college. So, right. I mean, it's not, if there was a lot of new faces out there, I would almost kind of say, you know, you got to build some form of chemistry. Right. Um, there's really only a couple of new faces and one of which he played a, a lot with in college. So I can understand the reasoning to, to not have him play from exactly. that. standpoint. Uh, Rabbit says, Anthony, I hope your arm is doing well. So how, no. how is how is the arm? I can see I can see the cast popping up every once in a while. How's it doing? It's doing all right. Uh, just going through the PT thing. So um, I don't know. It's 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 a long road, unfortunately. I think, but um, getting there, getting there. Well, that's good. I, I'm I'm glad you, you're getting there. And sooner or later, you'll be out there uh, pumping iron again. And but just just make sure you do it a little safer this time. Yeah, I guess. Like, like I told it. you before, Anthony, we're getting old, man. We're getting old. Yeah. We can't do the same stuff we did before. I know. It sucks. I mean, the royal we there, Jeff. The royal we. <laughs> we are getting old. Yes. <laughs> no, but yeah, you're right. I, I need to. Well, I think I, I'm older. I think I'm older than you are. So I already know I'm old. <laughs> so I'm not. I'm not. I don't think. Yeah, you know how you see you're over the hill. Well, I'm over the hill, and I'm going up another one, and about to go down that one. That's that's how far gone I am. So, <laughs> my my days of working out and playing playing sports are pretty much gone. I can just sit there and oh, talk God. about it now. <laughs> <laughs> so, I only add, another thing I'll bring up here that uh, Matt Michigan had on the article here is uh, he said, "Where are the linebackers? Uh, how are they going to do in the uh, preseason and and training camp?" I'm actually pretty happy with what I've heard from the linebacker core with Logan Wilson. He's going to have the the radio in his headset now. So, you know, he's going to be calling the plays and everything. And it seems like he's step, stepping up. The one I'm, I'm really happy to hear about is, uh, is, is uh, Pratt. I think he's actually – he's intercepted Burrow a couple of times, which you can say that's not a big deal because a lot of guys are intercepting him in 
preseason or a training camp. But I, I've heard those two have really stepped up along with Davis Gaither. What's your thoughts on the second year guys for the linebackers? Yeah, I mean, and I don't know if you saw earlier, a lot of every every time, at least on my show, every time we talk about the linebacker group. What about Josh Pines? What about Josh Pines? He's what gone. He Pines? signed with somebody. He's with Carolina. He's no gone. more Josh Pines talk. talk. Yep. He's a good, yep. good player for him last year. We don't need to talk about Josh Pines anymore. He's gone. He gone. Yeah, and then watch. He'll, he'll get cut at final cuts and the Bengals will pick him up. Or they'll pick him back up, probably. Like, oh, <laughs> Um, no, but yeah, uh, a lot of good stuff about Logan Wilson, uh, a lot of good stuff. Well, some good stuff about Jermaine Pratt. He kind of continues to fly under the radar a little bit. We talk about Oak and Joby. We talk about all these other guys, the corners and all these other players and Pratt kind of flies under the radar a little bit as his, uh, as has kind of been the deal with his career. Um, I just, you know, those two are atop the depth chart at linebacker. And then you've got some other guys. I, I'd like to see them really kind of get get creative and have fun with Davis Gaither. You know, let him rush the pass yes. every once in a while. He was pretty good at that in, in college. Um, let him play in space a little bit. He's an athletic guy. And uh, let just kind of let him do different things when you rotate him in for certain snaps. Um, kind of make him a little bit of a, a wild card on defense there. I, I'd like to see them do that. But um, I think we all have pretty high hopes for, for especially the second-year linebackers. Marcus Bailey was was carted off a few days ago at practice but i think it was just cramps so he's yeah. he's back and he's okay um so you know that's another guy i've got my eye on and you know i don't i don't think this is a group that'll light the world on fire but i i think uh if they can bring some stability that's going to mean a lot particularly in those games against the ravens and that mm-hmm. the offense that they employ over the past couple of years the Bengals linebacker group um, a little bit last year, but not as much. But years before that, they have been embarrassed by Lamar Jackson and, and that that offense. So um, if they can be respectable in, in especially those contests, um, you know, I, I think that's going to go a long way for them. Yeah, I'm, I I think uh, I was really impressed with what Logan Wilson did last year for being a rookie and Davis Gaither. I think both of them had flashes of, of being of. I don't say brilliant. I don't say brilliant plays, but flash of, of really good plays and, and being in the right spot. And it just seems like Logan Wilson has taken that step. And and the reason I, I'm impressed with Pratt, is, and I'm kind of surprised nobody's really talking about it. I've liked what I've seen from him in training camp. Now, like I said, I go down to the bridge. I'm not on the field. Well, I was on the field Sunday, but I'm not on the field all the time. I'm on the bridge watching. And for what I've seen, I think he he looks more confident and, and just a better understanding of, of where he's supposed to be and more just like, this is my spot. This is my team. Me and Wilson are going to be the, the two linebackers. But the other thing you brought up with Davis Gaither and, and the blitz packages that they could put him in. That's one thing I'm really curious about with him and Hilton. What is Lou going to do with those guys? Cause I think he's got toys to do stuff with now that he hasn't ha- hasn't had the last couple of years. Yeah, and the hope is that they're going to be able to generate pressure from a lot of different spots on, on defense. Now with Ogan Joby showing off in, in practice, you hope that that continues and he ends up being a solid uh, addition for them. You know, you've got Mike Daniels backing those guys up, and and you know he's another guy that though he's at the end of his career, he had a couple of nice nice games last year for the team. Uh, Reader, I think he's not a pass rusher by any means, but I think he gives you more pass rush than you think. For, for his size from the nose tackle. And then, of course, you've got some stuff. Um, 
Josh Tupo, another big guy backing up the nose. Uh, he, he's a guy that can get back there. And then, of course, you got Hendrickson and, and Hubbard. And, uh, and you know, you're hoping you can get pressure from a lot of those guys one-on-one. But if you need to generate pressure, you've got some other guys like a Davis Gaither, like a Hilton, that you can come off the, the edge or the slot type of thing and, um, you know, bring them in and, and kind of mix your looks a little bit. So um, the hope is if this team st- stays healthy, that they're able to generate pressure from a lot of different points on defense and do some different things. So, um, and I think, you know, while the Bengals obviously signed Hilton because he's an able slot corner and he's a physical guy and he came from Pittsburgh and all those things, I do think they really like the fact that he can blitz the quarterback and do it well. So, yes. um, you know, I, I think they're going to utilize that. I, I, that, I think that's going to be a, a very, like I said, it's a toy. It's a fun thing that 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 uh, Lou hasn't had that he can do, and, and and Hilton does that probably better than anybody I think in the NFL for, from that position, uh, blitzing the, the the quarterback. So I think that's going to be a, really interesting to see. Let's, it's almost, it's only after six thirty. I got one more question for you, and I'll let you go because I know you got your get ready for your show tonight. We got to talk about the biggest competition in camp. I'm talking about the kickers. I knew you were going there. <laughs> <laughs> But Adam McPherson, I have it up here. I can't find it because I can't see. I put too many tweets up here. But he hit like a 54, a 46. I think he was wide from, I think they said 53 yards. He was wide uh, left or something like that. Paul Danner Jr. Uh, put it out there. It's on my Twitter. He has to find it. But, dude, he, he's he's looking really good. I mean, I'll just be honest. I, I Where the bridge is, he's right there. I get to watch him kick a lot. It doesn't even look like he's even swinging that hard, <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. And it's somebody brought up a good point that um, actually might have been you. I don't remember if it was you or not, but Bengals fans, we kind of want Sherbert to do good because if he does good, maybe some other teams might want him and you might be able to trade him to get something. So him doing good isn't the isn't necessarily a bad thing for the Bengals, but I, I think it's Evan McPherson all the way is going to be the kicker. Sure. Yeah, I, I won't take credit for the the Austin Cyber trade thing because I don't think that was me that said that. But there are some teams that are. I think the Saints were one that that are now in need of a kicker, so maybe there's something there. But yep. look, um, you know, I think this is McPherson's job. I, I mean, I, I don't think Siebert's going to beat him out of that right now. The rookie is the top kicker on the depth chart, and uh, you know, barring some disastrous preseason, I don't really see that changing. Um, you know, so I, you know, and I, I know a lot of people like what they've seen from him. He looks pretty good and we'll see, you know, I mean, the J- Jake Elliott had a really good preseason. The Bengals have probably been kicking themselves a little bit. Uh, for That's that. another reason why I don't think they're going to go cyber. I don't think yeah, they're going to stay. Yeah, I, I don't think so. Um, the other interesting thing, it's, it's good to see McPherson play well. And I, I hope he does continues to do well in the preseason. But the other interesting thing quickly on special teams, Jeff, was the fact that Darius Phillips is the top punt returner listed on the depth chart as of, as of uh, recently, yes. not Trent Taylor. So Trent, a lot of people thought Trent Taylor was going to be the top punt return guy uh, and myself included. And he yes. is the second string guy. So um, they may be looking at Darius Phillips to use that, big playability on special teams more so than defense this year. I'll be honest. I'm, I'm happy with that. Cause I really like Darius Phillips, his, his game breaking ability. He has as a punt returner. And if you're not going to use him, if, if he's your fifth uh, DB, you might as well use him where, you know, he could benefit the team the most and, mm-hmm. and punt return. I, I think he's a very solid punt returner. So I, I'm very happy with that. I, I'm hoping he wins it. That's that's the guy I want. Nothing against Trent Turner or anything like that, but I'm a Darius Phillips fan as far as 
you know, punt return goes. I think he could be a, a game changer. I mean, if you can have, you know, a guy who can, if you have two guys who could break one open here from the kickoff re, kick return or the punt return, that those are two weapons to have. I, that's, that's a really good thing, I think. Yeah, I've always been a guy that, you know, I know you don't want to get your star players hurt or your exciting players hurt, but I've always been a guy that football is, um, you know, such a game of opportunity and whatnot that you, you got to get your guys that have the best, you know, you got to get the ball in the hands of your biggest playmakers. And and if you can't get them on defense, if you can't get them on offense, you got to find opportunities to get them the ball. It's what the Bengals did with Adam Jones. I, I always, you know, watching Reggie Bush at USC when he came to the league, I always thought, you know, hey, I know you want him to be healthy as a running back, but put him back there and return punts, return kicks, because that he was very good at that in college, and he did it on a limited basis, I think, in the NFL. But kind of get the ball in your in your playmaker's hands, right? And injuries are going to happen, and it's it's a risk, but uh, it could it could end up winning you some games. We saw that a lot from Adam Jones and the big the big sparks that he provided on special teams. Um, even when he was a starting corner, he would come back there as a punt returner, a kick returner, and do some things. So, um, I mean, remember, remember Desmond Howard? I mean, yeah. he, he, he never panned out to be a great wide receiver, but he was a great punt returner. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he changed the, that Super Bowl, uh, it, what, 96 for the uh, Packers and the, 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 Patriots. yeah, I think he was the MVP of that game, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I'm pretty sure he was. Yeah. So, I mean, punt returner can, like I said, it, it can change the game. So if you can get an athletic guy back there who, who, and this is one thing I, I, I loved about Pac-Man. Pac-Man would always bring it out. You know, he he, he barely ever fair cat, cat, right. caught it. And we had Erickson, who God love him, but he'd fair catch it on the freaking five-yard line. I'm like, dude, yeah. let it bounce. Yeah. <laughs> like, why yeah. did you fair catch it? That, that would drive me so nuts. Because <laughs> when Erickson would actually run, he 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 did a halfway decent job. Not not close to like Pac-Man. Pac-Man was an elite, you know, uh, punt returner. But right. that's where I hope Darius Phillips can get. We'll find out. But. It's 6.30. You got a show to get, get ready for today. You guys are on at, what, 8.30 tonight? Yeah, we're on in a couple hours. We have ESPN's Ben Baby joining us tonight. So uh, he's going to be talking about um, some some stuff at training camp. And, uh, you know, we'll be talking to him for probably 20, 30 minutes or so and then do do some other segments on our show. It's about an hour like yours. And um, we'll go from there. So excited, excited to have, you know, another big guest in the for consecutive weeks here. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I, I follow Ben Baby on Twitter. T- tell him about Strawberry Ice. Tell me you should come on my show, I will. okay? You will. You will. <laughs> Thanks, will. Anthony. Appreciate you, man. Hey, thank you, Jeff. Uh, anytime, anytime you need me on, man, I'll make it. I'll make it happen. Appreciate all your support of our show and and what you do, man. Absolutely, dude. I, I appreciate you guys. And like I said, I love watching you guys show and listen to you guys show and Ace and Zim and all you guys from Cincy uh, Jungle. Thanks, man. All right, bro. Take it easy, man. You too. See. Ya. All right, guys. I hope you. Uh, I hope you like that. Uh, we can't. I had some people get in on here on some comments with some Reds talk. We can get in some Reds talk if you guys would like. Uh, how you guys feeling about the Reds with them dropping the last two? I mean, the Indians game, they to me that game seemed like they never were in it, you know. I, I don't, I don't know what they were. What they were doing. It's just like their head was not in that game at all. And yesterday's game is they got the lead, and then Sonny Gray was it was a, a Sonny Gray start this year. You know, it was he he hasn't been the Sonny Gray of last year. Last year, look, we had three dominant stars last year, and and Luis Castillo wasn't good. I mean, we had Sonny Gray and Luis Castillo back to back, and neither one of them pitched that great. In the last two games, I'm very curious 
And I'm, I'm wondering if it's right now, if it's fatigue, you know, because we all played 60 games last year, you know, we're, they're well over 60 games right now. Is that the issue with them? What, what is, you know, why do they have really good starts and then eh, starts and then, you know, not so great starts. I'm kind of curious about that. And the other thing that I want to know what you guys thoughts are on, I kind of brought this up to one of the guys that worked today. The Reds made a trade and got the three relievers. And there's been times where David Bell has still went with the guy in crucial situations, I think, went with the guys that he's had. Now, I know he can't use the three guys every single day. He can't do that, or they're all going to be having arm problems like T.J. Anton and Lucas Sims have had. But it just seems to me that there's times where he's relied on the guys that he's had here who have more or less let him down, <laughs> you know? Unless not using the, the the new toys that he has, and I was presented as toys, but you know the new the new weapons he has. What do you guys? What is your thoughts out there on Reds country about about that? You know, I, I just I'm just curious about the how David Bell is using the bullpen with the way they have it now. You know, with with the Reds players that they've added, and Rabbit wants to what's the Reds' chances of making the making the playoffs. I'll put it to you this way. I, I have I have not given up. Um, it's funny. I'm apathetic about it right now. I'm happy they made the trades. I'm still irritated beyond belief that it took till the trade deadline to fix the biggest hole on this team. Because my feeling is they could have fixed it in May. We might be at least in first place, two games out, somewhere around there. That's where I feel about the Reds. So with the playoff, I if they're going to make the playoff, it's going to be, I think, in the wild card now. But San Diego, but let's put it this way. San Diego, and I said this earlier, San Diego, the Dodgers, the Giants, they're better than the Reds. They, they just are. And that's where I, I think it's really hard to win the wild card. That's why I was like, when we were four games out at the All-Star break, that was the time to make a trade to go get some help for your team. You know? And now it's back to six games, so I don't know. I, 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 in my heart of hearts, I want to say yes, they're going to make the playoffs, but I really don't think they're going to. I, I just don't. I, I just think the Brewers are too far out right now. And I, and I hope I'm wrong. I want to be wrong. But I think the Brewers are too far out, and I just think the Padres and the Dodgers and the and the Giants are just too talented. I don't think we're going to be able to catch them. So and that's where that's where I come to the part where I, that's where kind of I'm kind of apathetic when you have games like we've had the last two nights. It's kind of like yeah, okay, it, it's just irritating because there's so many games this year that we could have should have won, and we got and we lost them directly because of the bullpen. All right, let's see. Let's get to uh, some of the statements here. Um, Oliver Bell has no idea what he's doing with the bullpen. I. See, how should I say this? I think Bell has done an awesome job managing this team with what he's had. The part I'm frustrated right now with is him relying on the guys that he's had all year instead of relying on the guys he just got. Now, I know he can't pitch like that. I know he can't pitch every day. And that's the part where I don't understand what Bell is doing. So I'm irritated with that part, but I think Bell, for the most part, has done a really good job of managing. And 
I think he's done a good job with the bullpen, to be honest. I mean, he's got Armin Garrett coming in, and you never know what you're going to get with Armin Garrett. I mean, let's be honest, the other night, he, he got the first few guys to uh, 2 walked a run in, and damn near walked another run in. He only needed one more strike on both of them. So, and and, the, he, and Garrett had to come in because they had that stupid uh, three batter roll. So he couldn't get take him out. So it's just, I don't, it, there's still too many holes in the bullpen. You can't pitch the three guys that he got every day. So he's got to rely on some of the guys from before, but you can't really rely on any of them in there, you know, because they haven't been reliable all year. So when people blame David Bell for not being able to manage a bullpen, I can't have a hard time with that because I'm like, what is he supposed to do? Look who he has has had in the bullpen all year. Not much. And he didn't get help until here recently. And that's where I said, I'm kind of apathetic. I think, I don't think the Reds are going to make the playoffs. I mean, and that's coming from me who I said beginning of the year, we're going to make the playoffs. And if we had a bullpen, I would have been right. <laughs> but we don't have one. All right, let's see here. Oliver. Uh, the Padres are losing 6-0 right now. Time to make some ground. Yeah. So that's good. Hope they lose and we can win tonight. And the thing is, too, right now, the Reds are in a stretch versus the Braves and the Phillies, who are very hot teams right now. Now, if you look at the 500 record or the records of the teams that the Reds and the Brewers are going to play down the stretch, the Reds are going to play more teams that are below 500 than the Brewers are. Excuse me, the Boozers. So that aspect threads can be in this. And I think they're going to be in it all the way. I do. And if they make the playoffs, great. I'll be ec ecstatic. I'm just, there's too many, just too many times that they've lost games. They shouldn't have. And, but I, that's what I love about this team. This team does not quit. That's why I'm so irritated with the ownership. I've never seen a team picked themselves up off the mat more than the 2021 Cincinnati Reds and come back at you day in and day out. There is no quit in this team. I love that about this team. I love this, but that's where I get so daggone frustrated because Bob Castellini didn't do anything to fix the problem. And it's fixable. The trade they just made, why couldn't he made that in May? It would have helped. All right, let's see here before I get off my tangent. <laughs> Obviously, he keeps running out the same guys and giving up games. And after that, that yeah, and that, I, I kind of agree. That's what I'm saying. He's still relying on the guys who haven't worked this year. So I do agree with you on that, Oliver. I don't understand why he's doing has been doing that. He's changed here lately because Henry hasn't been closing. <laughs> he had a. Uh, um, Osage, I think that's how you say his name. He's he's been closing when the Reds have won here lately. But as far as in general, the way David Bell has managed this year, I think he's he's done a good job. I'm there's always something I'm gonna be we're all gonna be frustrated with something with him. It's just it's gonna it's gonna happen. But I this season is not on David Bell, though, Oliver. This season is on Bob Castellini and will be forever. <laughs> he has a team where he said he wants to bring championship baseball back. He fired Dusty Baker, said, I'm tired of losing. He has a team where he could, they could win. They could, I don't know if they could win the World Series, but they could at least make it if they had a bullpen, an adequate bullpen with his offense and the way this team uh, mentally fights. And he decided to do nothing until 
the very, very end. When, like I said, it's great. It might be too late. So, anyway, that's the Red Stock. If you guys uh, got anything else you want to talk about with the Reds, go ahead and fire it in the chat. If not, I'm going to get the heck out of here because I'm trying to get the Reds game. It's, I think it's starting here at 7 o'clock, isn't it? Yeah, 720. They're playing the Braves tonight. You got the Incredible Hulk, Wade Miley versus Tucson. Tucson? Tucson. I think that's how you say his name. Say his name. Miley is 9-4 with a 2.75 ERA. Tucson is 2-1 with a 4-4-3 ERA. So, by the numbers there, it looks like it should be a plus in the right direction for the Reds. But they got to get on the horse, and they got to get back on uh, a winning streak. You know, you, you got your six games out of first place. You got to make stuff up. You got to make uh, games up. So, there's a chance. There's always a chance. We'll see what happens. But I, I like I said, I'm excited. I love this team. I, I absolutely love the Reds. I love this team. I love their makeup. I'm just so beyond. I, I'm so irritated with Bob Case. I've never been this mad at an owner in my life. I, I don't, I just, I, I, I just, I'm just so irritated because it, there's everything else was in place for this team. And, you know, sometimes you have a bullpen, like, ah, you know, maybe one or two guys. It was the entire bullpen, <laughs> the whole thing, you know, <laughs> that's almost like, ah, <sighs> so yes, everybody has heard my, my rants about that before. So we don't need to go back on it. And that's kind of why I hadn't been talking to Reds a lot because I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm apathetic. That's I, I, I. If they they win, awesome. I want them to win. I'll be ecstatic. Uh, you know, I, I feel bad for Joey Votto. Joey Votto is having a great year. It's one of the best years Votto's had in like last what four. And he's and Nick Castellanos, Jesse Winker, Jonathan Indy. We got so much good stuff on this in this team, and the future's bright. I mean, we got Hunter Green, Nicolas Dolo. Uh, Jose Barreto, all these guys are most likely going to be on the team next year. You know, there's a lot of things looking up in this organization. How good would it be to have a owner who wants to help instead of worry about making money, which he is making money. <laughs> quit cry, quit cry, crying poor. You're not poor, Bob Castle. You're not. Okay. Anyway, I've, I've done this rant before. <laughs> Let's get to the Facebook groups that let me live stream on their on their pages, and I appreciate every single one of them. Hootay Nation, Bengals Nation, Bengals Hootay Nation, Cincinnati Bengals in jungle, Cincinnati Reds riding third, heading for home. Bearcat Country, who they are ranked 10th in the country. I would love to talk Bearcats on here. I'm trying to get Chad Brendel on. I'm trying to get uh, John, John, John the Williams on here. Chad Brendel has message me that he's going to come on he's just really busy right now probably gonna be closer to the season before i can get him on but i would love to talk to him because the bearcats for the first time in their history ever are ranked 10th in the country ever i mean stanford steve if you guys watch espn has ritter as his dark horse dark horse for the heisman trophy winner award desmond ritter University of Cincinnati Bearcats preseason. That's not preseason though, but we never get talked about preseason ever. You know, so it's an exciting time for the Bearcats. I can't wait till football season starts. My 
I won't say fear, but I'm just saying it's hard to go undefeated in any conference in college football. To do it two years in a row, along with playing Indiana and Notre Dame, if they still keep us out, I'm going to be so irritated because I'm like, what else can we do? <laughs> what else can the Bearcats do? If they go to Indiana, to Notre Dame, and win and they're undefeated, I still think they might keep us out. You know, I just that's just the way college football is. I, I would not be surprised if they keep them out. You know, I, I just, it's just, it's frustrating because I know they're going to eventually expand. And then we got this whole thing with college football with with the with uh, Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC and then becoming the mega mega power conference and all this stuff. And then I'm just hoping that UC doesn't get left out. And the only it's not basketball. Basketball, I don't. I mean, I love to play in the ACC and play Duke and all these guys. But basketball doesn't really matter. You can they can win their conference. They can get into the NCAA tournament. Football is when it matters. And it's kind of like the Reds season this year and this is where you don't choose when the winning happens sometimes sometimes it just happens and you got to make college football can't make moves but you got to make the moves to help your team and that's what bob castley didn't do this year the bearcats could have a very good their best season ever and if they get left out it's and there's nothing they can do about it that's going to be you know how crushing that's going to be if they go in they're undefeated they beat Notre Dame. They beat Indiana. We're going to let four teams in. Ah, oh, well, you know, Bearcats, you play in the AAC. We're going to let somebody else in. Oh, I'm going to be so irritated. Anyway, <laughs> this is my rant from Bearcat Country. So make sure you guys uh, check out Bearcat Country. Thank you them for uh, letting me live stream. And they got the Ohio State Bucknuts. So you got the ice bar. And then you follow me on all my social media platforms, all under Sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. The Twitter handle is at Jeff A. Trenopole. TikTok is at Iceman90. Just look up Sports Strawberry Ice. You can find me wherever I'm at. I'm on one of those. And YouTube. Actually, excuse me. I'll be pulling the sound off later on tonight and putting it on the podcast. I'm on BeanPod, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, pretty much wherever you get your podcast. So you can't sit there and watch me for an hour. Had a great conversation with Anthony Kazinza. So if you guys missed any of it, go watch the YouTube channel again or listen to it on the podcast. Make sure you download, rate, rate, like, and review. The podcast has been blowing up. It is awesome. I'm getting a ton of downloads, a ton of people listening to it, a ton of people watching the show. I appreciate it. YouTube, we're at 1,301 subscribers. That is phenomenal. So, again, I appreciate you guys for watching my show. And putting. I put a lot of work into this. I appreciate trying to get the, you guys watching. Try to get the get, I appreciate all the guests that comes on. And it's just a blast doing this. I'm ready for football season. I hope the Reds win. I'm just sometimes I'm, I'm an optimist, but sometimes you got to be a realist. And hopefully this time I'm being a realist for once. I'm wrong, <laughs> and they make the playoffs. But we'll see. But it's still time. There's still time. We'll find out. But other than that, as my boy Jeremy Dimebag D's nuts would say, remember one thing. And one thing only, and that is, you don't live in Cleveland, you live in Cincinnati, so act like it. Who day? And that's just sports, baby. See ya! You're about to enter the world of Strawberry Ice and the Ice Cave. Let's go!
you know, league, the league rule was you're not really supposed Probably to take him out of that conversation. And that he started from absolute crap. I would draft Aziz Ojolari or any, any uh, nobody's doing seven step drops in playing, right you know, playing tackle for him. So right. it's almost 22 years old. Devonta Smith, same thing. You, you, you just can't. You, you can't do that. You can't do that. I thought that in 2010 that he should be in the Hall of Fame, and they put him in after he is gone. Well, I want to fill the stadium. Yeah, I, I, I remember you guys saying that. It's crazy. Uh, I see that he's taken uh, the non. But overall, that that line wasn't better. No, um, I, you know, they still... you know, he's talking to the refs and, and saying, "Hey, I'm not going to get those calls." He's, he's coming. He, he, what, he's oh, yeah. coming. He'd be in section 158 with me. So we're... these guys have learned basically since they've been in the major leagues. 